cash-based practice owners interview series where I, Dr. Morgan Mies, PT, am interviewing different clinicians across the country who practice in a variety of ways, but all outside of being in network with insurance. The world of entrepreneurship and business for healthcare professionals is full of knowledge, creativity, and amazing people just like you who wanted something different. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash-Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganbeast.com. I would love to speak with you. So please join me as I interview our guest today. Today's guest is Ben Shook. Ben has been a physical therapist for 10 years with the majority of it working in cash pay practices. He was very burnout early on in his career and almost left the field entirely. He moved to Austin eight years ago to be with his now wife and became an apprentice in a cash pay practice. It absolutely changed the way he viewed his profession and has led him to now owning his own practice, Axiom Physiotherapy. He has worked in two cash pay clinics that were very different, one being focused on clinical care and the other around growing a business. Texas called Axiom Physiotherapy, and um, I've been in business for about a year and a half now. Um, I've been a therapist for about 10 years, uh, almost 10 years now, Um, and uh, when I first got out of PT school, like many people, I joined a pretty busy orthopedic practice, and about two years into it, I kind of was at a crossroads of, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It just was super busy. I was seeing like 16, 17 patients a day, and coming home and just feeling like, I had nothing left for myself at the end of the day, and that was kind of disheartening. Um, at the time, I was uh, now um, was dating my now wife, and she was living here in Austin, and I was living in Tucson, Arizona. And an opportunity came for, for me to, to move and be closer to be t- t- with her, and um, I started looking for jobs. And uh, I don't know if you know much about the Austin market, but it's a pretty competitive um, job here, and a lot of people want to move here. So it was actually a bit of a challenge trying to find a job. And I knew I didn't want to work at a very busy outpatient ortho clinic. So I was kind of of picky about what I wanted to do. So I found a a clinic here um, in Austin that was cash-based. And that was kind of, I had heard of some cash-based practices, but I wasn't very familiar with them. So it was kind of a new concept to me. And she had a a year waiting list to come in and see her. So she was obviously really good at what she did. And she'd been a practitioner probably for around 30 years. And so I was, I became her apprentice essentially. And uh, that was a a really cool experience. And I learned a lot about good things about how to run a practice and not so good things about doing a practice. The good things is that the, uh, you got to learn um, from a skill standpoint, which I was really interested early in my career to becoming a really good therapist was you just got years of experience to to work with. Um, And we have really challenging cases. So these are, these are really chronic pain patients that are that have been to three therapists, you know, five chiropractors. They see the psychotherapist. They're really more challenging people, but I kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, after doing that for about three and a half years, I was kind of tired of being an apprentice. You know, it was like, yeah. when is this going to end? Um, when am I going to not be an apprentice? And I would say that if you're, if you're a young therapist and you're thinking about joining a practice, just be mindful of, of the dynamic that you're in when you're going into these practices. Because uh-huh. if, if you're with an experienced therapist with a really big following, sometimes the patients might not want to see you. They want to see the person that's been there for 30 years. So it's, it's a challenging dynamic. It's a, it's a great learning experience, but you have to understand there needs to be an end to it at some point. You always don't want to be play second fiddle to somebody else. Even if you're a really good therapist, you always uh-huh. view it as kind of like, well, why would I pay you know, $225 to come see you? 
when I can mm -hmm. tell the person that has 30 years experience. And um, it's not their fault that they have 30 years experience and it's not your fault that you have maybe no experience or two years experience. But I would say those dynamics are really tricky to last long-term. Um, so I would say if you could get out of that situation sooner than later with a good amount of knowledge and do your own thing, that'd probably be a good, good place to go. Um, and then my, my second experience was actually working here in Austin for a cash pay practitioner that probably guys, a lot of you guys know is Carter Physiotherapy with Jared Carter. And he's been in the oh, cash, he's been in the cash pay uh, world for, you know, a long time now. Him and Aaron LeBauer are probably the first two guys I heard online with cash practices out there really. Mm -hmm. And that and that was a, a, that was an interesting experience in itself. It was more business focused than say clinical focus. Cause I had already kind of got the clinical aspect of things. Um, and I was looking to get some business acumen cause you know, was, in PT school, we just get almost none of that. I don't know what your experience yeah. is, but I got so little um, business acumen that I just didn't know much. Um, and so that was interesting to see how marketing and sales worked and, uh, but the, you know, still paying cash. So it was kind of a similar dynamic. So it was a fairly easy transition. Um, but it was, it was, it presented with challenges too. We were trying to grow a practice and our rent was very high. And it's one thing you look around, you just, you don't see a lot of multi-practitioners at a cash practice. You don't see people with seven, eight therapists, um, and having multiple clinic sites. If they do, it's, it's pretty uncommon in my experience. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it works with a solo practice or with some contractors. So it, it, you have to really think if you're going to start a cash practice, you know, the idea of, do you start with the end in mind is that, you know, how, how big do you want to grow it? And what's the realistic option that you're going to have three or four, do you want three or four clinics all charging cash? There's people that do that, but in my experience, they're few and far between and they're um, it's challenging. And if you're going to ask people to pay the kind of money that we ask, it's hard to, it's much more different than, you know, saying, well, I'll start taking insurance and that's different. And now as insurance changes, that changes, but it is, it presents its own challenges. So I would say the challenges that we ran into there were our rent was really high and, um, mm -hmm. and you don't want to grow too, too quickly. And I think that was probably one of the issues we ran into is that we did struggle for quite a while um, getting enough patient volume to justify the rent because we had enough, we had more rooms that we needed that, that we just couldn't fill with other therapists. And that was, um, that presented some, some real challenges. So I would say if you're a new grad or you're new as a therapist, when I did, jumped into the cash world, I had two years experience. So that was kind of a little, um, different approach, but still pretty early on in your career was that it was, um, you know, you really got to be, understand the dynamic you're getting into. And the sooner I think you can get what you need out of that place and then move on to your own thing is probably the better situation. Um, because sometimes the pay structure is, you know, not great, or you get a certain percentage of what's being charged. And that's a really important piece too. And I think that should be expanded on in our conversation. So it just, it was two really good experiences that kind of led me to this, you know, it probably took mm -hmm. me longer than I probably should have to, to get to this point. Um, but I figured if they were going to pay me that amount of money at the other place, why wouldn't they pay me here? Um, yeah. if you keep your overhead low, which I think is the most critical component, whether you're a mobile person, obviously it's easy to keep it low. If you have just a small space, like I do with a private waiting room, the rent's very reasonable and just charge enough to make it worth your while that, if a pandemic hits, you know, you only have to see, you know, 10 or 15 patients a week and you can still make money doing what you're doing. So it's kind of my, my background into it. And, um, it, um, yeah, I've spent eight of the past 10 years just doing cash. I could never go back to um, a regular clinic ever. They wouldn't have, no. they wouldn't have me actually at a regular clinic. Cause it would ask too many questions and, um, <laughs> it just, it just wouldn't work. I'd say once you do this, you, it's unless, unless the, something was so drastic that I had to do it, I would, but given a choice, I don't think I could ever go back and work in a traditional PT clinic again, just because the volumes are, I mean, I see so many patients that have come from those clinics. That's why they're coming to see me. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the therapist is great, but they're just, you know, they're spread thin and it's, um, yeah. it's the one I really value the one-on-one -on -one care and um, I enjoy using, and I do a lot of manual therapy in my clinic too. So it's kind of hard when you're in a busy ortho clinic to do a lot of hands-on because you're just usually running from you know, one patient to the next and, and just the idea, like my dad had to get physical therapy a couple months ago and he went for 10 sessions. And if you, if you could just take a guess, maybe how much it costs for him to go to, this is a hospital based system at Oklahoma. Could you guess mm -hmm. how much they charged him for 10 sessions of PT? Like, just take a guess. What do you think? Uh, 
Gosh, I have no idea because I feel like I've seen so many like different prices yeah. and like different copays, and I have no idea. Eight eight thousand dollars for ten sessions. So, oh my god! So think about that. He came into the clinic. He had shoulder pain. They put him on a UVE for seven minutes. They yeah. did some stem and stuff that you would do. You know that stuff that I'm surprised that people still do. Um, but since our hospital system, they charged him eight. So he called me and he said does this seem unreasonable? And I said, do you have to even call me to ask if that's unreasonable? I said, I would never pay that bill. Um, but that's what you're dealing with in our healthcare system. $8,000 for 10 sessions. I could have seen them for one or two visits and it would have been significantly better at, you know, at a fraction of that cost. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's why I do what I do because our healthcare system is not great. And it's probably why you do what you do because you can provide the care that you couldn't otherwise in a busy kind of place. And, it's probably why if there are young therapists, especially the young therapists that are looking to kind of break out from their ortho jobs. I know them. And at the end, if they want to reach out to me, I'll give them the most free advice and the most honest advice too. Cause I think there's a lot of people out there maybe not giving the most honest advice um, when it comes to these things, just really transparent and be like, this is what it's probably going to be like. Um, mm -hmm. But I wish I would have had somebody tell me that years ago because it would have yeah. saved me a lot of time and headache and probably gotten me sooner to owning my own practice than later. Yeah. I think you just need the confidence and the understanding that, you know, people will come. You're good at what you do and you spend a lot of time in school. Um, you just got to be comfortable with selling your services and, you know, don't worry about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's a really good point. You know, it's, I think it's unfortunate that in a lot of the PPT curriculums, there aren't really a lot of like business courses like i remember i've talked about this on here before but i remember my business class that i had um we like they told us that we could make like a budget of however much money we wanted it had to be brick and mortar um and then we could see like whatever niche we wanted but then it also still had to be ortho anyway and i think that's just like it's crazy you know it's no yeah. practice is really run that way, you know, based on what I know. I don't think maybe some of these people that teach at universities, you know, have, maybe not in the, I don't know, it's been a while since maybe they graduated, they've been out of the system. So that's stuff that they were taught back in the day, but yeah, there's just, it's a different time. So there's people that are out there, you know, in the cash world that are filling these spots with education. But I also think mm -hmm. people need to really know too, like, what are they really getting into? It's like, if you're going to sign up for, you know, some platinum course from somebody like you really got to understand, does this person really have the experience and the knowledge to help me get to that point in my business? And you have mm -hmm. to sit through some of the stuff. Some of the people do and some of the people don't, but you've got to take, you've got to take a close eye and to be kind of skeptical and go, I need to talk to some of the people they've worked with before. Does this person, yeah. is this person actually helpful in that? Or did mm -hmm. they just give you kind of basic advice? Like go talk to doctors, go to talk to concierge physicians, go do this. It's like, you don't need to sign up for a platinum course to to do that. Um, but I think right. some of that stuff is maybe working on mindset stuff because some people are just like, I don't know what to do. And they've read every, you know, everything out there and they know all stuff about cash. They can tell you all about it, but they won't jump in and do it. And they should mm -hmm. just, they should just do it. Um, especially if you got laid off from your job and, you know, this with the pandemic, it's like, there's never a better time to jump into your own thing. Even if you have to do a side hustle for a while, you know, a lot of people do mm -hmm. a side hustle while their business is growing. That's if you're gonna do some home health gig or some contract gig, like do it. You know, it's uh, yeah. a great way to pay the bills while you're getting your business off the ground. And before you know it, you can, it's, it's kind of a good feeling going to tell your other employer, like, hey, I got this thing going. I don't really, yeah. need, I don't need this anymore, but thanks. You know, so, <laughs> that's what yeah. wants to be. Yeah. So, like, if there was somebody who was kind of like on the fence about whether they should leave their like regular full time job, and jump into, you know, starting their own practice, or maybe they were furloughed and they don't have a job and they're just really worried about starting their own thing. What would be like your top three pieces of advice? I'd say have a plan B, you know, like just because you open up a shop doesn't mean people are going to come. And if you don't know how to get people to come and then you'll just be sitting around doing Facebook videos or some marketing thing that you're kind of go, well, I hope this works, you know, um, for me, it was, I already had enough clients to come over and join me. So it really wasn't like a, I wasn't that like, I was even a little worried. But I was like, man, are people going to show up? And it's like, they showed up at the last place you were working. Why wouldn't they show up now? But yeah. if your rent is low enough and you only need to, if you can make money seeing 10 patients a week, you know, or eight, then 
you can quickly get there, but keep that, keep that side hustle going for a while. Um, keep your overhead. I mean, that's what, when I worked, um, at the other clinic, that's what really made it difficult for us to grow. The, the overhead was way too, I mean, we were probably paying honestly like $3,700 a month in rent. You know, oh my gosh. that's a lot. That's four. That's and Austin's expensive in rent. You know, I don't know what it is where you're at, but it's like, that's like 30 something dollars a square foot. It gets, so you have to really factor that in. If you think you're going to grow and oh, I'm going to have this personal trainer, I'm a massage therapist in here. Maybe you grow at that rate. Maybe you don't. But if you start with one room in a small private waiting room or in the back of a room of a gym and you're subletting or whatever you're doing, keep it really simple. I and mean, what do you mm-hmm. actually need? Like I have a high, low table. I have a desk. I have a treadmill. I've got some needles. I've got some equipment for making custom orthotics and I got a waiting room. Like that doesn't cost very much to get started. So I would always on the air on the side of being lean, especially if like things like this happen. There's plenty of therapists out there in clinics that have really struggled because their overhead is just too high. And then their patient volume got crushed by, you know, everybody's patient volume got beat up by the pandemic. Um, so keep it lean. And then, yeah, find people that you can trust, not because they're on the internet telling you they're good. You have to wonder, like if they're on the internet telling you they're so good, you know, if they're so busy, why aren't they then treating a bunch of patients at the time? That's always wonder about that. Like if they're so busy, shouldn't they be overwhelmed with their patients? So really, how many therapists does this person actually have working for them? And how much have they grown mm-hmm. in their practice? Those are questions that should be asked and asked to speak to their other clients. Like if they're like, hey, man, I'm thinking about taking this person's mastermind thing. Okay, give me a, give me somebody a client I can talk to. And then you can mm-hmm. get a real truer sense of what's happening. And then you can make the best decision. Because a lot of people out there doing a lot of things and you've got to filter through a lot of stuff and so you don't want to spend a ton of money on stuff where just to give you information you probably could have gotten somewhere else so yeah yeah that absolutely makes sense and like i am a huge fan of like lean startup and everything and i think like a good way to start things too is even just to like start with telehealth you know you could start doing a lot of like patient education and things that are a lot more hands-off and like once you start making some revenue then you can start buying equipment and things like that yeah, I think, um, you know, I got, re- I had a company reach out to me recently and they provide um, telehealth services across the state of Texas and they want me to be their provider for them. So it's post-surgical stuff. So it's mm-hmm. really like, hey, you, they work with small to medium-sized companies that are self-funded and they said, okay, uh, Amy had a knee replacement and she needs PT. We'll pay you a flat rate for all of her PT. Now, some people look at that and go, man, you don't even get to, she might be in Dallas and I live here in Austin, right? And for some of these cases, you know, they might be easy enough to work. Some of them, the cases, the person's going to need some some hands-on. Like if, yeah. you know, if you had a major shoulder surgery and you're in a sling, and then we go from a sling to six weeks later to doing stuff, like you need some some stuff. Um, so that might be a little tricky for some of them, but a lot of these things could probably be managed through telehealth. And so they have a platform mm-hmm. that allows you to measure angles. They have a platform that allows you to communicate with the patient. So if they need anything in time, and it really it enforces to say, like, there is a, there is a move. We still value one-on-one person to person care, but, um, for companies where you're like, do they re- like if somebody has an ankle sprain, sometimes I'm like, do I really need to see a simple ankle sprain? Now, if they have a, a soccer game tomorrow and they're a high school athlete or that's really great. Yeah. They probably need some hands on real quick, tape them up, get them back out there. But some of these people don't. So it's, um, yeah, it's changing. The telephone thing's interesting. I, I, I would say that at first it, it, it's, it's tricky. It is tricky to, I find connecting with people really sometimes challenging in that way at a personal level, because I work with people with such longstanding issues, you know, be able mm-hmm. to touch them and put your hands on them is a, such a great way to connect with them and get to know them at a person. It's like people wearing masks all the time. It's, it's hard to read their face and it's hard to, to really capture, like, is what I'm saying, connecting with them. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, it definitely has, it's proven for sure that it has its place. And the good thing is going forward, people just have an option. You can, do you want to do right. telehealth? Or do you want to do in person? I've had people that want to start off with telehealth and they're like, man, I want you to work on my shoulder. Like someone needs to touch this thing. This thing hurts and exercises are great, but like, can you work on it? And you're like, yeah, why don't you just come in for a session? So I think the option is, is definitely, I think you'll see a lot of big players probably get into the telehealth PT world. And that's probably what this company that's looking to get somebody is, is, you know, coming in and saying, well, can we capture these people? But there always will still people that will value, you know, face to face one-on-one care. It's a, even if they have to wear a mask, it's people still want to come in and get care. So, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, just having as an option, you know, so that like if somebody is like they can't leave their house, you know, they can't drive or whatever, like you can still reach them and still help them. Um, so yeah, just having it being like something that we can try to do, I think is definitely really good. And I'm glad that like more places are starting to embrace it, you know, and see it as a real option. Yeah. Um, and if you don't mind answering this question, this is one question that I get all the time and I know a lot of people here in the group are always really worried about. Um, you know, if you're just starting out, where do you find clients? Yeah, that's it. So if I, you know, if I had to go back and I think now it's like, it was a, it was a real challenge at first to like, if I was starting on my own and I didn't know what I knew or didn't have the clients, I, it would be a real struggle. It would honestly be like, who do I go talk to? So for mm -hmm. me, it's, um, like gym owners is, is a great place to start yoga instructors, Pilates instructors, people that are in similar industries um, mm -hmm. and build relationships that way and just offer to treat the owner or some of their people that work there for free. That's what I did. And then you do, and you they realize how good of work and you go and do a session and then be nice enough to go in and do a session with them and trade services. And then from there, and that might not yield itself a result, you know, right away that might take a month or two that might not, that might take six months, but continue to follow up with those people. For me working with, direct primary care doctors has been, you know, and concierge doctors is like an immediate easy thing because people are used to paying cash for those services, just like they would for yoga or Pilates, but this is for their direct medical care. And those dynamics, I think more PTs should partner with direct primary care physicians and be in their office and be a part of their practice because they might have four or five referral pads in the drawer and they might just pull one out and go, I don't know, go see one of these people. But if, you have an op if you're in the same office suite and you're two doors down, you're not with a patient and they go, hey, this is Amy and Amy sprained her ankle and she's wondering if she gets some PT like and you're available. I mean, who are mm -hmm. they going to choose? So I think that dynamic is people. There's been a lot of push back and like, well, stop relying on physician referrals. You don't have to rely on them. You just you can utilize them. And I'm telling you, it's like if you're part of a transparent pricing model, which I'm a part of and they are, too. The, pay, the customer always feels like they're taken care of and there's no hidden costs. You don't get an $8,000 PT bill three months later from some hospital system. So when people come in, they're always going to know that this is the price of what it costs. There's never a hidden cost. Um, and I think that model, like my, my own personal doctor, that's how I got to know my personal doctor really well is that he was the guy sending us patients and I was like, you know what? I need a doctor. So I became his patient, you know, and I was like, that's one of the, if you want to become, you want the easiest marketing tip ever. Find a DPC doctor in your area and sign up to be a patient tomorrow. Go there with your cards. Act like you're just a patient. Do get the care that you need to get, and I guarantee you, you're going to have patients coming in. Like and you already, and I have, my doctor sends me a lot of patients, and he sends other therapist patients too, which is totally fine. That's um, awesome. So that's the easiest way. I think the easiest way to get patients tomorrow is uh -huh. find a local DPC doc in your area sign up immediately. My doctor's like 50 or 60 bucks a month. It's very reasonable. And then if you want, you can find these concierge physicians, which is a little different model where people are paying quite a bit more. There's a lady here in town and she probably charges three to $4,000 a year and you pay up front, but she treats, you know, very successful business people, people where, you know, they don't bat an eye if, you, if it's $200 an hour, or $250 an hour, they just yes. they want that care. Um, so partner up with, with them. I mean, those things make the most sense. And uh, those are going to be, I think, a quicker return than, say, the yoga. Not that you shouldn't do the yoga and Pilates thing. Um, and it depends on your niche. It's like who you, you know, who are you going? I work with a lot of runners. So I used to go at 630 in the morning on Saturdays and work with running groups. And running groups sometimes are great. Sometimes for business, they're just like the slowest rate of return ever. Because right? <laughs> runners are yeah. like, they're like, all I need is a pair of shoes, some cheap shorts, <laughs> and a shirt. And then I can go exercise. So their mentality, they're a little bit of a, they don't like to, they tend to not want to, if they're like an elite runner or a high level runner, they'll, they'll pay it. But runners are kind of, there's some tire kickers in those groups. So you always have to watch out for them. You don't want to spend a lot of Saturday mornings not getting a lot of return on that. Cause then you're just like, I'm tired of coming here. And mm -hmm. people, they want free, they want me to massage their leg down after they're running, they're sweaty. And it's like, do I really want to, you know, do this over and over again? So you really got to target down your niche and then go after that. If you're in what pelvic floor, it's like, go meet all the doctors in town that work with that. It's like, there's such a need for women's health and pelvic floor. It's like, if you can do a good job of that, you can have patients. I mean, you have a long waiting list if you're really good at that. So that's like, that's one of the, to me, it's like, if you're really interested in that area, that's the area that you can do it. 
even neuro like that's the thing there's always we always tend to think ortho stuff but even mm -hmm. i think neuro neuro cash pt could be something that's way bigger because some of the services people get are just limited and and people don't mind paying for really good care so i, I don't see a yeah. ton of that out there there's obviously it's out there but it tends to be very ortho focused right mm -hmm. and i think there's the possibility of peds neuro stuff there's plenty of out there but i I think there's some great opportunities in all those areas, but and then maybe join your chamber of commerce and go to some meetings there and get to know those people there and, um, you know, get to know if you're in an office suite like I am, get to know there's a bunch of psychotherapists in my office. So I get to know them and sometimes they come in for treatment and they have patients and um, it doesn't take long before you kind of get, again, if your overhead's low, you don't have to see many people before you start. You can right. like, I can quit my, you know, that, but the goal is to move away from the side hustle when you can. And then when you get there and it's like, then you can really, focus on because it gets too hard to split time for too long and people mm -hmm. do that for years oh i do part-time here part-time there no you just got to jump in and then when you can dedicate the time people will start to to come and then just ask people like your patients that come in and the easiest way to get a patient is to be like hey did you, did you have a good experience They're like yeah do you know anybody else that would benefit from this but people just don't do that and then ask yeah. everybody to write a review like they come into your clinic would you be comfortable writing a review based on your experience like if it's crappy then don't don't write a review, but if it's like a really, if it's a good experience, here's a, uh -huh. here's a Google link. Don't, don't do Yelp. I'm not a big fan of Yelp, but here's a Google review um, link and you can fill it out and people read reviews. You know, you get a bad review. Like it takes, this old adage I heard, it takes 10 good reviews to overcome one bad one. So it's like, yeah. you no know, reviews are important, but the problem is like people are doing a pretty good job with reviews now. It seems like you go on the PT websites and if they're a small cash, like a lot of them have just five stars, like, and so does that make you, I always get a little suspicious and I'm like, they have a hundred five-star reviews. I don't know if I believe that. So maybe you throw in a couple four-star reviews every once in a while. Like the parking situation wasn't great, four-star, mm -hmm. but the therapist was awesome, you know? Cause it gets a, whenever I see five-star all the time, I'm like, I get a little suspicious. I'm like, they can't, not everybody had an amazing experience. That's just, it makes me a little bit suspicious. <laughs> throw some four, that's my advice is throw in some four-star reviews mix in with all your five stars because so it makes people less suspicious of you you know yeah that's a good tip for sure yeah. Yeah. um if somebody is splitting part-time say they jumped into their own practice and they're starting to see a few people what would you say like how does somebody know like it's time to say goodbye to their regular job if you start seeing that like the every you know over a course of a couple of months the case volume is just keeps slowly picking up and mm -hmm. you're having to like decide like can i book this person can i not book this person and you have to factor in too you know what's your financial situation you know do you have a spouse like the only reason i was able to take the time that i needed to gr to grow my skill set was because i had a spouse who had a stable home health and she worked in a tbi clinic so that she we had a steady income with insurance that's the only reason I could take the time that I need. If you're not in that situation, you might take you a little bit longer to get there because you have to go, well, if I'm going to make the jump, it's like, you know, I got rent, especially we got student loan payments. Like you have to, those, all those things need to get factored in. But if you're finding that you're at your other, your main job and it's just like, you can't wait to leave at the end of the day. Yeah. There's, you're scheduling people on Saturday, says you're at your other place or at night. And then if you charge enough, you know, one way to increase revenue is just change your prices. You know, it's like, yeah. start charging more, you know, and then people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to pay. People will, people will most likely pay. It's amazing. Like if you ask people on there, it's amazing what people like. I should charge more. I don't, I don't know why I don't, but some people charge like four or $500 for a session you know, know. in certain places. And people are like shocked by that, but it's like, shouldn't we be like, good for them? Like if someone's going to pay you for mm -hmm. if they think that's, you know, helpful. And then you have patients that you're like, they wouldn't, you know, and it weeds people out, you know, it's like yeah. people charge $50 a session. Guess what? You're going to have every tire kicker in your town coming around. And then they'd be like, you're going to spend an hour on somebody for 50 bucks. It's like, dude, you went to school for way too long to be doing that. <laughs> you know, those people can go somewhere. That's fine. If they want to go somewhere else, it's good. But you want the people that are going to spend money and then you don't have to see. I thought the whole point was not to see 15 right. a day. Well, you mm -hmm. have to do that just because it's, oh, I mean, I'm doing my own thing, but I'm seeing 20 patients a day. I want to see like 25 patients a week. Yeah. <laughs> that's, there's like all these numbers that you hear out there. It's like, what's the number? Which, and it depends if you're mobile or brick and mortar. For me, 25 is like this good number. I do a lot of heavy handed hands-on and getting to 25, like right before the pandemic happened, I was like right there. I was like, oh mm -hmm. man, this is great. 
and the pandemic happened, it was like, oh no, this is not great. You know, it's like, um, <laughs> but it's climbing back up and it'll get there. Mm-hmm. Some people see, like, I know a PT and he sees like 35, when he's going, it's like 35, 40 in a week. And it's like, and he said, what, 225, 240. But, you know, do you just want to be there all the time? Be, think about your hands. Like if you're a manual therapist, right. you will do your hands. You can only do that for so long before you're like, man, this is hurting. Like, right. So for me personally in my body, like 25 is a number that I, I shoot for. And it's like, you can earn a good living. You can go home at a reasonable time. You can be with your spouse and your kids. I mean, that's, that's the goal of all, I think for most people is the freedom to be able to do what they want outside of here. And working at an ortho clinic, seeing 16, 18 patients a day is never going to give you that freedom ever. It's a hard place to live for a long time. And, uh, that's unfortunately most times. If you're in a clinic in a state that reimburses well, like Alaska reimburses really well, they can see one-on-one and still make good money in their insurance. Then do, I don't know, I don't know where you're at, but that's, you know, here in Texas is like, that's not the case. So people open up yes. clinics. If you know, if you look on the coast, people tend to move to like Washington. You're like, why don't people move to Washington? They were living in like Arizona. It's like, look at the reimbursement rates in those states. Look at Alaska, yes. like, right? Who's like, I grew up in Alaska. It's in the middle, it's way the hell out there. But people open up clinics here because insurance tends to reimburse well and that's obviously changing and that might not be you know viable going forward but the good thing about cash is like you're not dependent on somebody else determining what you get um and then there's a whole i, I don't know enough about out of network billing to do it there's people out there way better experts than me but i think a lot of people discount that like there's you can get good money doing out of network billing depending on where you're at if, if you know what you're doing so i think yeah. people, i think people should explore that more and then be like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to call somebody and figure out how much they're going to go get paid. But just co- can contract with somebody that does do that. You know, I think Jerry Durham does that. There's other people out there that help people with out of network billing. Those people can be helpful for you if you'd like to go down that road. And I think people are just too scared of it or don't know enough about it. So they just tend to stay away. But maybe you, you know, or maybe you take on some insurance contracts in the beginning and then you just drop them. But I would. I'd be hesitant to do that. If people are going to pay money, like try to get them to, to pay cash and, um, yeah. and, sell, and sell it in that way, you know? And for me, it's like offering a discovery session or a free session at opening is it's a really easy way for me to get to know the patient and them to get to know me and trust me. Right. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to sound cheesy. It's just like, is it a good fit? Some people come in and I'm like, I don't care if they pay me my rate. This person's not a good fit. You get to be selective about who you want to see. And so that's the freedom of owning your place is that you're like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work or, well, this person's great. I get people that come in for one thing and then they come up and then tell me their shoulder hurts suddenly. But I knew that shoulder was hurting when they came and they just didn't, they wanted to see if you were any good, but it also lets you know if you're good or that's the good thing about cash pay is like, especially if you do hands-on and even movement stuff, it's like people, you'll find out really quickly if you're, if you're good at what you do, because people will tell you whether when they come back, or they don't come back. If people don't come back or they'll give the bit like, let me check my schedule. I got to see. And they don't follow up with you. There's, mm-hmm. there's reasons there. Maybe you're, you're not what they're looking for, or they just don't think the value's there. Um, but the good thing is when people are paying good money to see, you'll find out really quickly if they value your service or not. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like, that's some of the best parts about this, you know, is just like you're starting your own business so that it's better for you. It's better for your career. It's better for your patients. And I've talked to a lot of people who like starting out are like, oh, I want to work all the time. You know, like I'll work 40 or 60 hours a week. And it's like, that's not why we're doing this, (laughs) you know? Um, with sales, I was just wondering if you have any tips or advice on sales and like converting leads into paying clients. Yeah. So I would say it depends where they come from. You know, like I've started mm-hmm. some Facebook ads and those ones are definitely trickier to convert because there's more tire kickers in the group and you're, st- and it's, yeah. I'm new to it. So I don't really, you know, we're trying to figure out like, are these people ideal clients? I would say if you're going to run ads, I mean, the ad guy I've been working with is trying to narrow down your your area that the people that can tend to afford your services. There's some people in that parts of town that you live in that just won't ever do that, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, they're not your ideal client. So like, why spend a lot of right. time on that? And I think the quicker yep. you realize that, the better. If you're going to chase every $50 patient, you're going to be running around a lot. Um, so get, get, get a sense of where you're at. If you're setting up a brick and mortar, you know, getting to know like you're there. And then for me, mm-hmm. it's like the discovery session thing was kind of eye-opening when I was at first, I was like, why don't, 
are, either people are going to pay me or they're not going to pay me. I don't need some discovery session. That just sounds weird. <laughs> or I think Paul Gott calls it a taster session. I was like, a taster session? That sounds <laughs> weird. That sounds creepy to me. Um, but like, then I realized I was like, people needed, you were charging a lot. So like people needed to know what they, they didn't know what they were getting. Right. So they come in or like, you start doing some basic assessment stuff and they're like, Oh, this is not a gym. It's just a private treatment room. This is kind of good. You seem like you're a cool guy and you know what, and you know what you're doing. Right. And that puts people at ease. And then that session, you can go, Hey, this is how much it costs. And then you say, you know, let's get you scheduled. And they go, I think once I see patients about once a week, you know, I can, and I give them the homework to do on their own. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want people just to pay me good money to watch them do exercise. If they want to review them in here, sure, I'll review them. And then when I, I do high-speed running analysis in the clinic too, and that stuff's obviously we just pointed out. This is what you're doing. This is what you're not doing. Here's the recommendations to make. Um, but yeah, being I think you have to be the question, especially if you're new to this, is would you pay for the service? Would you pay the amount that you're charging? Like I think is the question you need to ask. And if you would mm -hmm. not pay the amount that you're charging, then you're not comfortable. With the services that you're selling if you're like man i'm worth 225 all day every day even if like you just do it just tell yourself that then people will be like it comes through when you talk to them and then when you talk to them just be transparent so those people come in you can tell it's a problem when i go is that too much and i go is that too much like no one ever almost no one ever says i go is that too much and they go yeah that's a problem i said like well what if we did this price is that okay and they're like that sounds great and you give them a little bit of a discount that person may have gone somewhere else, like never come back in, but maybe, and then they maybe come back, they come in for like three extra sessions than they would have before. And now you just made that money back. So if you ever get the sense of like, man, this is a finance, especially with the pandemic, people are, you know, people are jobs and stuff are hurting or reduced hours and wages. We have to be flexible too with that. Mm -hmm. And this idea that we think we shouldn't bump off our price just because that's our value. It's like, well, this is called basic economics. And it's supply and demand and those things and sometimes things change so you have to be flexible as well so if you get the sense that somebody can't like generally can't afford your services which we all have those patients that you're like this is kind of a reach for them maybe you work with them and some people they pull up in a you know eighty thousand dollar car and they're giving you grief about the price no like i don't you know i, I know what your address you know that's what's funny about intake paperwork you ever do this it's a little trick people fill out intake paperwork and you're like uh, I just saw your house on Zillow and it's like $4 million. It's like, that's pretty, like, I think, I think 165 is going to be like, people don't want to admit that, but it's like, we're, I'm in a nice part of town. I don't, I'm not in a part of town. That's like, you know, like people are really struggling. There's a reason for that. Right. And it's not to say that you couldn't do it in those parts of town because people do it all the time. I just happen to have my clinic where it is. Cause it's just makes sense economically. Um, mm -hmm. so I would say you know, if you're not willing to pay for you pay your rate, then that's a mindset issue, which I'm sure, and then and the group that's just looking to get started, that probably <clears throat> pops up about the confidence of selling your services. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it seems like a lot, and I go, a lot to whom? Like to you? And they go, yes. yeah. Well, I... oh no, um, I can't hear you. Can oh. you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so. Uh, but yeah, so you have to be comfortable. That's the biggest part, right? Early on, it's like, if you go, the price is $125. Like, what? Yeah. I don't even hear you. Like, then people are like, this person doesn't seem confident at all. Um, mm -hmm. So you've got to be confident, you know, and just, even yeah. if you're not even that confident, just fake it, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. you're when you're a new grad, it's like, you got to fake it anyways, you know? If yeah. a therapist asks you, like, how long you've been a therapist? I had a patient the first week I was a PT asked me, well, how long have you been doing this for? I said, this is my first week. And she goes, I don't want to work with you anymore. I said, great. Cause you sound like in my head, I was like, you sound terrible. <laughs> and she got stuck with a student physical therapist, right? Which was weird. Like the CI was watching and I was like, I'm the actual physical therapist here. But it was, she was like one of the most difficult, annoying patients. So I was like, great. But it's like, people are going to know, like, if you know, they just act confident, you know, confidence mm -hmm. goes, you know, a long way. So. Yeah, I think so too. And like the other thing I think is important to know is that you're going to continue to come across cases like over your career where you're not going to know everything, but like you can have confidence in the fact that you don't know everything, but you are like, where is that going to go find the answer? Yeah. You know, and like that translates to the patient as well. Just be always be like, be curious. Like I've been doing this for 10 years. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm sure there's some new grad that'd be like, patient coming, he'd find things that I would never, or she would find things I would never find. It's like, you get kind of complacent. You do it a lot. You're like, oh, I've seen this a million times. It's like, well, have, 
maybe you, I've been, there's times where I was like, I get three more visits in and I was like, oh man, I screwed this up. Like I got the wrong diagnosis. Right. And then I'll see patients. Like I had a patient come in a couple weeks ago, this kid, and he came in for a knee problem and he had this right ankle. He's a basketball player. And I started feeling his right ankle and I was like, dude, something's going on with your right ankle. And he was like, and when he would stand, he could not invert his, his right ankle, put weight on, like he it didn't hurt. He just like, I just can't move it. And I was thinking, you know, I have a ortho, ortho background, some certifications and that. And I was like, man, you feel like you've got like a, like just a natural fusion in your foot and turns out, I said, can you go get an x-ray? And so his mom's a nurse. So they got him an x-ray the next day and they come back and it was a tarsal coalition of his navicular and his calcaneus, which is not common at all. I've seen maybe two other cases like that and they're post-surgical. And she called me. She was like, how the heck did you feel his foot? No, I said, I don't know. It just, it didn't move. And it just felt like you just seen so many, I see a lot of foot and ankle stuff because I work with runners and do orthotics. You just feel thousands of them. And you're like something, I don't know what it is, but something feels off. And so those kind of things are really helpful because like you've instantly gained their trust because you're like, you just diagnosed the patient with just your bare hands. And then the x-ray confirmed what you had and the CT scan, you know, mm -hmm. so like, I've had those, you know, those don't have, that doesn't happen every day. That's like every couple of years you get like a, I think this is something funny going on. Most of the cases you get are, you know, you can take care of it and manage it. And then I would say when you can't build up a great, you know, when I get stuck with people, I, there's a guy down the street that does prolo and PRP. And I'm like, mm -hmm. he's the guy, I mean, he travels around the whole world and does teaches physicians how to do, do that. Get good relation. Those people charge cash and get relationships with PM&R docs that are in your neighborhood. That's a great way. Concierge DPC and then the Prolo PRP guys, man, those are guys you want to get connected with because they, those people pay cash for those services and mm -hmm. those are great cross referrals. Go in, I go in with my patients into the appointment with them and I just sit in there while he does diagnostic adoption. I go, what's that? And half the time I have no idea what I'm looking at. I'm like, what are you looking at? They're like, that's a super spinatus. I was like, I thought that was something totally else. Like I have barely have any idea what they're looking at, but just be, be curious, you know, mm -hmm. and that is a, great way go to your doc if you have a patient that's seeing a doctor that you've heard good things about go would it be okay and i know it's COVID, so it's like it, it, it that might be a little bit challenged right now but when you know things settle down or maybe just say hey can i set up a zoom meeting with you know potential that's it. people you know contact that way get marketing going through zoom meetings but going to a physical um appointment with people that's that for me has worked great because it's like man this person cares enough to show up to their patient's doctor appointment who yeah. does who does that like <laughs> a person that wants to get patients does that like yeah and, and that genuinely cares and like that genuinely cares about this person like i do and that's what's great working one-on-one -on -one. it's like the people i come that come to my clinic they're people i would hang out with outside of here they're really cool people so it's fun to go to work with people that you would be like well i'd have a beer with this person so it's not fun to go to work and half the patients you deal with are three quarters of people you would never want to deal with like yeah. No, no, and I've worked and it's like, those are, it's challenge. It's harder. You know, you still care for them and you love them. But mm -hmm. Let's be honest. That's, it's more challenging. You want to work with your ideal clients. So it's like, why not? Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it makes life a lot better, <laughs> you know, more enjoyable and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have two more questions for you. Second to last question, um, kind of back to like business type stuff. Um, I know a lot of beginners, struggle with like systems and staying organized not just like running in circles all the time so what do you do as a business owner that helps keep you on track towards your goals you know for me it's like having like a when i started my business having an online scheduling option and booking from there and i don't see enough patients to have i don't have a, such a huge bond that i like it's so hard for me to keep track I know all my patients individually and I know they're, and I can reach them on the cell phone at any time and text them or whatever. But if you guys before you're like, and it's always tricky to me, like the follow-up email stuff needs to be done in a way that seems genuine. I like a lot of follow-up emails from businesses. They're like, Oh, everybody's suffering during this pandemic. And I was like, I don't care what Chick-fil-A thinks about how I'm doing during the, like, it seems a little dis, I think you have to be careful with that kind of stuff because it can come off as very disingenuous and think about how many emails people get from businesses that are like, we really hope you're doing okay. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, you don't really care what I'm doing. But like, if I got a personal text from my, like my doctor just called me, he's like, hey man, I got this patient I want you to see, but like, he just lost his job. Is there any way that you can help him? And I'm like, yeah, I totally help him out. It's like, and this, and so for me, it's about that personal follow-up, which takes more time. 
but if you don't have like if you're not if you're seeing like 70 80 patients a week yeah that, that's gonna be impossible but if i i remember know all of my patients and i can go i wonder how joe's doing i can just reach out and touch him there I, or i just call him out of the blue but i just want to check in make sure you're doing okay that works well but if you're at the point where you do need those things i mean there's tons of options out there that are automated but i just would be just to make it still seems personal and it's like, you know, like I get a happy birthday card from my dentist. And I was like, do I really like, does my dentist really care that today is my birthday? No. He just <laughs> Like, I think people, like, I, I sometimes we think that people aren't that smart. Like the people that come to my clinic are like the PhDs, MDs and stuff. They're smart people. And like, it's like when we write blog posts, there's this saying to like, hey, write to them like they're an eighth grade level. It's like the people that come to my place are way beyond eighth grade reading level. Like you can use big words because you're dealing with people that have like you know right like if people yeah these blog posts and they're all kind of written the same like you can't you can't put more than like you know you, you have to run on sentence it's like write to them like they're intelligent rather than they're like they're in eighth grade and sometimes i think that's what happens with blog posts is like they're like yeah you didn't really say anything in the blog post you're just like fluff 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 and you mentioned your clinic name so it helps out on seo but it's like i think connecting with people in a genuine way is is sometimes it's it's harder if but if you're running a small one person show it's not difficult to do because you just cell phones and texting and is makes things and facebook messenger makes things really easy so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that is definitely good advice i like the the personal follow-up thing is something that's been working really well for me and like by that you know not only do i mean like patients are still coming to see me, but I also mean that I feel like my relationships with them are a lot better by like reaching out to them personally. And it just makes me feel good, you know, makes them feel good. And I think that's a great like business tactic, so to speak. It, it, it's it's great, everybody wins with that. It's like, you know, if yeah. you get a mechanic, like mechanics are a good example. Like, no, like if you find a good mechanic, you'll be like, man, I'm gonna trust this person for life because mechanics are notoriously rip-off artists, right? But nobody trusts a mechanic. But if you find a guy or a lady that's a mechanic, you're like, man, I got this person you gotta see, they're amazing, whatever. And they and you even if they charge you quite a bit, but if you feel like you're taking care, that's the thing. If you feel like you're taken care of, you'll tell everybody. Even if you're like, man, this guy charges a lot, but he's the best in town. That's the thing. If they go, Morgan charges a lot, but she's worth every penny, then you have a customer for life. And it's mm -hmm. weird when people pay a lot sometimes, it's like, what does that do? That's the psychology of pricing. People are like, well, she must be great. She charges 200 an hour. Well, I don't know what you charge, <laughs> but there's this association that it's like $49. That's like, well, that's not really that much. Maybe this person isn't that good. And that's mm -hmm. not something they verbalize, but it's something that does enter into the thought process. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things I just, close relationships to me if you want to run an intimate practice that's geared towards not a huge patient volume it's really easy to to do that and it goes a long and it might take three or four messages don't give up on the first one don't mm -hmm. pester don't pester people don't text people every day be like steve how you doing how's the knee just like a, make a little reminder on your google calendar whatever and be like hey text amy just don't even ask her about you know the pain like how's your family doing I know that your husband lost his job during whatever, just act like you, and you do, you genuinely care about this person. And that goes farther than like Chick-fil-A emailing me about like, you know, how are you doing during the, I don't know, Chick-fil-A is really delicious. I don't know why I'm giving Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but like, you know, you think a business that you went to once and you're like emailing you 50 times about, yeah. I forgot that I even put my email in that stupid tab. Like, I wish they would just lose my email. It's like, do I really care what, you know, this frozen yogurt place, you know, they don't care. Let's be honest. They're just trying to get you to come back as a customer, but you care because you run a really personal practice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that's a great note to end on to just, you know, really keep like the personal piece. And like you said, like the intimacy in our practice, like there's a reason that we are going into business for ourselves and offering an exceptional level of service. And it's for the benefit of everybody. Yeah. Um, you're a physical therapist was that was the main reason you came into this profession was to care for people yeah. and you can still do that and make money and making money in the business is not bad or evil and sales aren't evil but you can do both and when you can do both in a way that you feel comfortable man it's it's so freeing that's why i can't go back 
to one of those clinics ever again. And they wouldn't, they would, they wouldn't hire, they just would, they'd interview me for five minutes. They'd be like, like, he might be good at what he does, but he sounds like he's going to be real difficult in the clinic. So, <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. Oh, wow. um, so last question for you, it's kind of like the self-promo segment. Um, where can people contact you and how can we best support you? Yeah, you can go to my uh, website. It's just axiompt.com. And then you can, I always tell people if they want to like Facebook message me, just look me up or you can eat. Like if there's a young therapist out there that wants to save themselves a lot of hassle and not knowing where to go, do I go do this platinum mastermind? Do I do this palladium? Everybody has some palladium master. I don't know what these things are, but everybody, everybody has one. Apparently, I don't know. Apparently I missed out. I'm supposed to have one, right? But <laughs> if they just want like really unfiltered advice and I don't, I, I'm not going to be like, sign up for my, my ebook or whatever. No. Just like give you really good advice. My email is Ben at axiompt.com. I'll even give you my I'll even give you my phone number. You can text me or call me. And you can put it on the show notes or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care who sees this. But it's like I'll give you the most unfiltered advice and just be like, this is what it is, this is what it isn't. And that way you can have the best. I wish someone would have told me that like eight years ago before I started I moved to Austin. It would have saved me. I would have gotten to this point a lot sooner. And that's what I want for that person is that most people when they get into this thing, they're like, why the question that the statement I always make is why didn't I just do this earlier? And the, yeah. the reality is that you don't need to be a ten-year seasoned therapist to do this. So you got to be good at what you do, but you don't need to be doing this forever. And people take a knock on people that are like, "Oh, you're a brand new therapist. You shouldn't do this." Like, if people are going to pay you money to do this, who cares? Those people are just mad that those people are just mad they're not doing it themselves. So they're trying to take a knock at people. If you're good enough at what you do and people pay you, you'll find out real quick and people will pay you. So who cares for those things? Yeah. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I am honored to be a part of this community and it is my hope that by spreading the stories of clinicians just like you who wanted something more and went after it, it will inspire you to create the life and career that you dream of and that you worked so hard for. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on Facebook in the Cash-Based Healthcare Entrepreneurs Group or on my website at morganmeese.com. I would love to speak with you. And you can also find me on Instagram at drmorganmeese. So who do you want to hear from next? Or would you like to be featured on this series? Please email me at morgan at I'll talk to you guys soon.